coming to you from the KUCI headquarters in sunny Irvine, California. It's half past five with Paxton Wright. Tonight's guest, actor Derek Gonzalez, featuring music by Ariel Pink. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Paxton Wright. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Paxton Wright. This is Half Past Five. That is not just the time that you're listening to this show, Doring. Uh, it's also the name of this show, in case you weren't aware. I had the privilege and the honor yesterday to have a little sit-down, a little chit-chat, a little uh, a little tango with, uh, with one Derek Gonzalez, uh, a young actor, who goes uh, to UCI here, uh, what one would call a working actor, because he uh, gets work. He is in quite a number of, uh, of films and plays in the area, and including, but not limited to, a Honda commercial last year. Yes, the Honda, the company that makes the Civic you're driving right now as you're listening to this, uh, as well as many other delightful vehicles but this is not a commercial for Honda. We're, we're commercial-free here at KUCI. What am I talking about? Doesn't matter. Point being, we had a very good chat. We also discussed a bit about a bad run-in Derek had with uh, the Hunger Games franchise, which, much as I would love to play it on this episode, time did not quite permit it for the half hour I'm allotted here on the station. So if you want to hear that segment of the conversation, as well as a little bit of a uh, divulgence into uh, the Cats film that is now two weeks in a row we've talked about Cats uh, on this show. Uh, it's, you know, this might just become the, the Cats fan show. It, it's very possible. It's hard to say at the moment. Uh, we're going to see how this show evolves. But you can check that out on the show's official podcast, unless you're listening to this on the official podcast already and not on the radio, in which case, yeah, you'll hear the uh, discussion on Hunger Games and Cats. And you'll be like, why is he talking about the fact that they're omitting this conversation? Because I'm hearing it right now. Well, it's omitted in the radio version. Because, again, just didn't have time for it all. Uh, that is on the official podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts, at KUCI colon half past five. Remember, you can also shoot me an email if you want to discuss your Cats fan theories, uh, Cats trivia, and all things Cats related. I don't respond to emails about this show anymore i only respond to cats emails so yeah just uh uh prepare your questions and thoughts accordingly because you will not receive an answer from me even if you're my grandma anyway that's beside the point you can email me at paxtonwright at kuci.org that's p-a-x-t-o-n-w-r-i-g-h-t at k-u-c-i dot Turned into like a, a vengeful spirit there. That was fun. Anyway, what am I talking about? It doesn't matter. Listen to the show. I had a good interview with Derek Gonzalez, who, by the way, uh, forgot to ask him at the end of the interview. But if you want to follow him on social media, see any other performances he's got coming up, that will be on Instagram at, at Derek Gonzalez Robles. 
Uh, Derek spelled D-E-R-I-C-K. Gonzalez spelled how it's usually spelled. And Robles spelled R-O-B-L-E-S. Check it out, folks. He's got a lot of content on there and a lot of plugs to other content he's doing. Good night and good luck. That's a sign-off, not a sign-on. Doesn't matter. Enjoy the show. Magic of editing. We can actually start the show whenever, but technically we're recording now. So, sound good to you? Sounds great. Sounds great to me, too. The feeling is mutual. It's a great sound. Isn't it? It's a very mutual feeling. Wow. This is, you know, this is off to a great start. I I love it. We're just rocking up there, man. I feel like you're far from just a, you're far from a guest. I feel like we've got a real bond going here already. Oh, absolutely. They don't know, but our hands are touching. It's true. And our feet are inching closer by the second. Whoa. That's a little too close, man. (laughs) Eventually, we're going to be sharing the same chair in this interview. It's all right. You don't have foot fungus, do you? Uh, Minimal. Oh, great. Um, Mostly on the right foot, I'll 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 stick to my left. Gotcha. I know the right, the best doctor for that. Oh, really? Sure. Yeah. I don't I don't want to see him. You don't want to see him? No, I like my foot fungus. Takes UC ship. What's that? Takes UC ship. Mm. That's tempting. That's Great. tempting. Anyway, right. <laughs> now we've just uh, just uh, started the show off with our usual athlete's foot discussion, uh, as I do every week. Uh, we'll get into the formalities. Derek, how are mm. you doing today? I am great. I am doing amazing. Today has been a beautiful day. Uh, really? Yeah. That's. I mean, the thing is, this is airing Thursday. Uh, so today, Wednesday, as we're recording this, it's been a beautiful day. We can't speak to tomorrow. Oh, no. Tomorrow's weather is supposed to be horrid. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely worse than today. Yeah. Yeah. That would be no good. No. Well, <laughs> then sorry, sorry for the people listening today. Today, today. Let's make your day a little better. With Let's make it a better day for you. I like tomorrow. Yeah, I like that. From us in the past to you in the future. I, you know what? I, I can tell already that I'm going to be sitting in the station tomorrow playing this episode back, and the waves of positivity are going to oh, shake yeah. any going that to I be. had on me from yeah. that, wet, that nasty weather we're all Dopamine experiencing. Dopamine going to be flowing through the brain. You're going to be feeling so happy. Don't even get me started on that serotonin. Oh, yeah. I don't know which actually takes effect from these things, but... Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> just eat, you watch you uh you watch you eat enough sugar you'll get you'll get that same rush. That's true. Listen to the podcast, or you could just drink eat a lot of sugar. That's true. Unfortunately, I'm uh see I'm on I'm on the keto diet this month, so I can't oh, the eat keto sugar. Diet. I'm doing that, but uh but uh, but I think this will this will comp for any uh sugar I'm lacking. Oh, that's great. I'll try not to sneeze out any sugar of my nose. Please don't uh, avoid sneezing any carbs or sugar. If you have meat in your nose and eggs, feel free to just launch them right at me. That's fine. Uh, I kind of need a lot of protein today. I went to the gym, so I'm going to keep those on me for now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, well, we'll see where this interview goes. Anyway, uh, Derek, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm thank very you glad, so much, man. Glad to have you on. I've actually been wanting to have you on the show for a while. We met. Really? Yeah, because uh, wow. we, we met a few months ago. Yeah, um, a few months. Seems on, like yesterday. I know, I know. Time really flies when you're meeting future guests for your show and now Absolutely. present guests. Uh, we met on the set of a film directed by a friend of the show, Andrew Weston, former host of KCI's and the Oscar Goes To. No way. Yeah, he's not. That show? What's that? That show? That show. Wow. The one and only. That's Dude. Andrew's show. Andrew, oh uh, my God. I know. He's the, the man is working a mile a minute. He's probably not even listening to this interview right now. Sorry, right. no we're going to call him and get him out. Hello? Andrew? Yes? We got it. We got... We're talking about you on the show right now. You're talking about me right now? Yeah. it's. We're talking about how you had an Oscar show. Oh, yeah, that show. It was great. All right, Andrew, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 
Wow, that was Andrew, act- everybody. <laughs> I, I actually want to say, as uh, even though you were going a a comical caricature approach of Andrew, there was a little bit of his delivery in there that you, well, you just captured. a little bit. He's, he's, he's a catchy guy. You captured his his energy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we met on the we met on the set of his film, uh, of which you were acting in because you are an actor. Yes, uh, I am. And. I yeah I ended up scoping scoping the Instagram and the social media later. Oh cool! Uh, and I saw that you are an exceptionally hardworking man. Oh thank you, uh, thank you. You seem to constantly have a project or multiple up in the air at any given moment. Many artists I feel like as talented as they can be, and I'm speaking for myself a little bit too here. I I, oh, yeah. I plead guilty on this. This is your show. As as talented as as many artists can be, oftentimes it's uh, it can be difficult for them to motivate themselves to be constantly doing the backbreaking work. As soon as one piece of work is over, they're on right. to the next thing. Right. Uh, is that something? And and you are someone who at least from from where I'm standing or sitting rather, uh, I it seems With feet touching. With feet touching, with feet touching, chairs inching closer by the second, uh, does th- does that sort of ethic come naturally to you, or is it a perpetual struggle every day to sort of kick yourself into these situations? Well, you know, it, it really comes from the love and the passion that you get. It's kind of like a burning feeling in your tummy, and not the kind when you have like a parasite, but more like something like good that you want to feel, like love. Sure. Like, you know, it's... Uh, I think about it all the time. I just get up and I want to act. I want to want to want to put on the clown makeup and go out and spin that sign and see someone steals my sign and knocks me over like the Joker, Joker and Phoenix. We should have been nominated for a couple other things, but I was great. I acting really it gives me a feeling of satisfaction that is beyond anything else. Like I could I mean, my girlfriend might be mad at me about this if I say this, but like I could just be acting all day with people and I would forget. I wouldn't need like any other satisfaction. You know, it, it fills up everything for me. Um, it's a rush. It's it's like a it's like you wake up and you want to go do it. You want to go do it. You want to do more and more and more and more. And it doesn't matter if I get paid, but you know, I have to get paid to survive, so I don't end up, you know, doing um, a whole uh, Vin Diesel thing when he was starting out. You know, kind of like living around the streets and stuff like that. You know? I didn't know Vin Diesel uh, started out like that. Well, I know he, Jason Statham did. Oh, oh, he was a con man. That's he right. Yeah, he like sold he like sold like busted watches or something. Uh, in like fake cologne or something like yeah. that. Yeah, right? what a guy. Hey, if you wanted to if you wanted to become a ragamuffin, you could go the way of Vin Diesel or Statham. You could have a very successful career in the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, absolutely. Don't you know, rule it out, Derek. Yeah, the 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 uh, the Trent's ten, the, the Derek's eleven. Let's do it. Let's make those movies, dude. They sell tickets. They do. You get anyone who's like six foot five and approximately three hundred pounds, you're gonna sell lots and lots of tickets. It's true. A lot of people wrote off uh, Hobbs and Shaw as kind of a financial failure here in the U.S. last year. Oh yeah. If you look at those international numbers, I don't think so. Hobbs and Shaw doing just fine. I'm proud of those boys. Those are some good boys. Ah, they're great boys. Yeah. Who doesn't love Dwayne and Jason? I don't know. And if they do. I'm coming for you. <laughs> anyway, this conversation quickly changed course to just two guys gushing about uh, Jason Statham, yeah. uh, as most of my interviews tend to. Uh, but but yeah, so that is um you you say you're pretty all in on acting, and that's that's your that's, that's your that's your sort of primary passion and primary motivator in life. I've always really uh, envied and admired people who have like that one thing, because uh, mm. I think a lot of people. 
uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't mean to suggest that you're like one track minded, but I think a lot of people, you know, tend to have like a lot of interests or a, a number of interests that they're all that they can kind of uh, delve into at any time. And I've always really had a tremendous amount of respect for people who have like yeah that that one thing like. I'm all in the one thing. Yeah, I'm all in on the singing. One I'm all in on on uh, interpretive parakeet dancing. diving. Parakeet diving. That was the that was the next one I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, has it always been acting? Was was acting like the first and only like like true just driving passion and love? Well, was it something else? Where did it, where did it come from? Right. It, it came from my mom. My mom, uh, I actually emigrated from Chihuahua, Mexico mm-hmm. um, when I was six. So I came to the U.S. as a very, very young. My mom was a businesswoman and she had this charisma about her. We would go out to the flea markets and she would hand out flyers and have me handing out flyers. And I'm like a little boy. And I would I picked up the skills of how to have good interpersonal communication, which is key to success in a lot of things in life. And... It, it started manifesting itself like fourth, fifth grade. We do presentations. We start doing PowerPoints, you know, especially in at least in our age when we had computers like 40 years ago. I don't know what they did for presentations. I'm sure they like drew stuff on like clay tablets or something. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. But uh, but no, yeah, they used papyrus back in 1982. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, we used. Uh, yeah. Now we use papyrus leaves. font. Ugh. yeah. Millennials. Oh, we're cool. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I would do a presentation in front of the class and there was something about it. I felt like I needed to perform. Like I needed to make my 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 presentation better than anybody else in the class. I would I would watch the people's presentations and I'd be like, oh, when is this person gonna like end? Because they are like so, so boring. And then, uh, and then I'd hop up and I'd get this energy that just pours from me. And I was like, all right, let's perform. It's my turn. So I, I just grew up with that feeling. It wasn't until high school that I explored a musical. I did... um. I, you know, I had a funny, funny audition story. I got into acting because I was a singer first and I was doing choir, you know, like every good boy does. And I was singing. My teach, my choir teacher was like, you know what? You should try out for the musical. It could be really good. Good for you. You, you have a good voice. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Musical theater. I've never done it. I'm scared. <laughs> and he was like, no. You should do it. And I was like, but really, do you believe in me? And he was like, yeah, I do. I like, okay, I'll do it. Your your teacher was like a mixture of like uh, the, oh, he the, was guy a dragon. From, the guy from Pearl Jam and like a dark sorcerer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Had the witch has hat and everything. Oh, nice. And I auditioned my junior year for uh, Pirates of Penzance. And I sang completely off key. Nerves got the best of me. I ruined the audition. Didn't even get it. I think the teacher, the the musical theater director, was like, "Do you want to be like uh, an extra? You should be like an extra. It's gonna be real cool." And I was like, "No, I'm too good for that." Blah, blah, blah. But I was being immature and dumb. So next year, come second year, and I'm like, "All right, it's Greece. I want to be Danny Zuko." And I uh, worked my tail off memorizing the songs, and I ended up being Danny Zuko. And my very first thing that I ever, you know, had. It yeah. was, and it was interesting. I, I, I felt it felt connected. It felt like like there's something right about pursuing this this acting thing back then. And I just knew it. So it was really it was really with high school theater was where the actual like clicking happened. What was the plan before acting? Was there a plan? Like did you oh. know what you wanted to go to college for? Was 
my parents had very very high hopes for me and I, I highly disappointed them now that I'm an actor um, <laughs> but I, they they support me 100% they're all happy with what I'm doing now uh, but th- I wanted to be a politician really yeah I was uh, after high school I went ahead enrolled myself in community college trying to save some money you know and I took courses in public speaking public policy uh, government got in the student government and I did that for a couple semesters until I took the I took a theater course once more. I took an elective in acting and the floodgates just opened. It was just it was ready and I, I came right back into acting and I've been acting ever since. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, you've said about yourself uh, as as a performer is that you uh, you're a, a large aspiration of your work is to not sort of pigeonhole yourself into roles that either degrade or stereotype uh, people within the Latinx community. Right. Now, uh, given that you're not uh, what one might call like a list, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you'll you'll get there. But uh, but as of as of right now, you know, you're still you're still a what one would actually call like a working actor. And do you find that? Uh, given that you are in this sort of position of integrity and, and needing to maintain said integrity and having and having your morals uh, very sound and strict, uh, do you find that it makes navigating the landscape uh, as a Latinx actor uh, a lot harder, um, or is it, st- or do you feel like there are a, there's a much greater abundance of opportunities? Yeah, this is a great question, and it's very, very important in today's society um, because Latino people, Latinx people, Latina, we are pathologized in the American society when it comes to representation in the film market. We are usually played as people who are undereducated or who have criminal backgrounds, who are constantly in trouble, or very impoverished. And this, this, this is a stereotype which, is, which negatively affects us Latinx people when we're growing up because we don't have role models to look up to to say, oh, here's the, the Mexican Robert Downey Jr., the Mexican Iron Man. We don't have that. All of my heroes who I looked up to when I was younger were like the Caucasian, stereotypical, straight, hetero male in Hollywood who I saw in those roles that I wanted to, to emulate, to be like, to even before I knew I was a performer, I wanted to be like them. And it was very brainwashed that I didn't want to be Mexican in American culture, in the American culture, because we were seen as less than. So I need to be a maverick in my field because 65% of the roles that Latinos go out for nowadays are for the pathologized criminal or uneducated and impoverished person. So what I've done is I've created all sorts of characters which I go th- go and audition for which don't fit any of those predetermined stereotypes. And by niching myself into becoming a better actor in this certain aspect of the field, I've come across more success. Because there is a thing in acting where if you brand yourself as a certain thing, you become better at that thing, people will start calling you in for that thing. And my thing is what you would call the tortured genius. A, it's this type of character, sort of like what Benedict Cumberbatch plays a lot, which is someone who is, who is extremely intelligent, very prolific in their work, and driven to the point almost, to the point of uh, breaking their sanity in a way. So I am also kind of 
doing twisting that that angle on the the genius just a little bit because I love a good villain and a good anti-hero. But nonetheless, it is it, it is it is a role that breaks the typical stereotypes of the undereducated, impoverished, growing up in a in a in a barrio with all sorts of slang and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I I won't uh, I won't yes and with the voice, but yes, I know what you mean. Oh yeah, I'm uh, Mexican. I can do it. Okay, I'm I, Mexican. You lean into it as much as you like. You can feel free to do the rest of the interview if you so please. Oh really? That way. <laughs> bueno. <laughs> Uh, but now, yeah, you mentioned your your uh, preference too for playing the um, torture genius role, the intelligent, yeah, the, the intelligent driven person, which is not represented as much in media for Latino people, right? And and I think you uh, you achieved that with your latest role, mm-hmm. uh, which you are now up for some accolades for. Yep. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Sure. I uh, was leading role in a play recently called Playing With Fire. I played Victor Frankenstein. It was a uh, a uh, Frankenstein play. Um, Victor Frankenstein is a is a sort of genius who, as many are familiar with the story, that he, he invents a way to bring back the dead. He brings back a creature. And he's extremely, extremely driven and intelligent. He's the top of his class. He, he astounds everybody with his ability to... To do things that have not been thought of yet, so it was an interesting role that I, I dug very deep, and thankfully I was nominated to KCACTF, which is a, a national theater festival for collegiate students, uh, where you can get nominated if you perform in a, in a college production, which was this, which a, a main stage production at Golden West College actually, because I was I go to UCI, but I double dipped a little bit to try to do more plays. But so I'll be uh, competing for uh, scholarships, the coveted Irene Ryan uh, scholarship in February, and uh, there'll be grad school recruiters. It's gonna be a really fun time. And this this play, it's uh, as you said, it's kind of a like not quite, but a little bit of like an unofficial sequel to Frankenstein, the like, original mm. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Am I am I correct in that? Or? Uh, I mean, it was uh, it was a uh, adaptation of the novel where. Victor Frankenstein is uh, there are two Frankensteins on stage. There's the old Frankenstein, who who is already in in the the Arctic with with a creature that he's created and about to die, and then we see the whole play through his memories, which is me coming in as young Victor Frankenstein and going through through his entire life story up until the end when we catch up to his dream uh, to to the present when he's old and about to die, and of course not to give it away, but someone doesn't make it. And it's the person you don't you want to make it. You know, I'd think a, I'd think a story that uh, is just as optimistic as Mary Shelley's Frankenstein would um, <laughs> that that they would that you guys would carry that torch. But I guess you really dropped the ball there. Sure did. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, coming at that character uh, had to be a particularly daunting task, I would think, given that you have you know the sort of tone set by Mary Shelley. You have the sort of iconic, uh, uh, albeit a little hammy and uh, old Hollywood take by like Colin Clive in the original film. Mm. How did you co- approach it with sort of your own brand of authenticity while maintaining a respect and and fundamental understanding of the original takes on that character? Yes, yes. I um I did a lot of research. I watched a lot of films about people who play this this archetype, this uh, tortured genius type, and I, I dug dip, deeper than I've ever dug before. I had something around like 32 pages of dialogue, which is quite a bit to memorize, 
um, but I took it on and I began getting into my, my process. I have a, a way of creating characters, the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they think. Every single facet of of um, expression, whether it be the voice, the body, or the mind, I worked on to try to create this character that was hyper-intelligent and intended to do good. He wanted to create life for the betterment of the world, but he couldn't face it when, when reality struck. He snapped. He fatigued himself to the end of his sanity with his this work, and when he snapped, there was almost no coming back, and it was all downhill from there once the creature was born. Right. Uh, it was interesting playing someone who was who was supposed to go crazy because when I when I dig into a role in order to get there to to the that supposedly I'm crazy feeling, you don't want to just play crazy and pretend you're crazy. So I had to consider what the thoughts he was thinking was during the dialogue that I was speaking and really dig deep and feel it with him. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a method actor because I knew I was acting the entire time, but in those scenes where he loses his mind, I had to go to a place that was kind of dark. And as an experienced actor, you learn the tools of how to go into those places and how to take yourself out and not lose a part of you. I have myself right. I'm happy with myself. I'm not losing my my mind just quite yet, even though, you know, tuition is high. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love UCI. But, you know, it was quite a challenge, and it was one that I was very happy to undertake because, again, it wasn't the stereotypical growing up in a barrio kind of criminal Latino role that people want me to go out with mm-hmm. for, go out for. Right. Well, that's great. And, uh, yeah, very, very uh, much rooting for you uh, in these, these thank you, thank in you. this uh, coming event. Uh, before we get going, because we are actually just about out of time, I would like to hear just real briefly, because I always like to ask this story when I have people who work in the theater, mm-hmm. um, as, it's, as it's properly pronounced when you're in the know. Sure. Um, it is a, a guaranteed occurrence, no matter really how professional the production, that at least once during a show's run, something is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, how noticeable it is to the audience varies case to case, uh, but it's always disaster, uh, red alert, DEFCON 1 situation <laughs> uh, for the people involved in the show. Uh, anything like that go down during <laughs> during the show? <laughs> yeah, I have a great story. I was doing Macbeth, which is a Shakespeare play, a very classical play, in Los Angeles, and we were doing it in the the very artsy downtown area. And the the theater we we worked we did the show in doubled as an apartment complex. So the people who were living there were were they were tired of us doing the show night after night for a couple of weeks. It was like a three four week run. And one of these nights during showtime, someone turned their music to level a thousand and it was booming you could hear it while we were trying to act and it's a shakespeare play set in the in the desert in the 1700s and you could just hear booty shaking hardcore hip-hop was playing over our shakespeare (laughs) it was embarrassing it was embarrassing we had to get someone to turn it off but it played for a good 30 minutes during our show which is like a good third of the show that's uh, you know, that's with all the uh, modern takes of Shakespeare that they've made in recent years by like Baz Luhrmann and what have you. Yeah. There, there is easily I, I could see a uh, step up cross Macbeth. Oh, film. it sounds great. That's that's untapped territory. That I, I don't think you want to rule that out. Well, I just wrote it down. Um, 
but you already you spoke into existence, so it's going to have to happen now. I think, yeah. We'll copyright this on the Writers Guild website, and we'll... Uh, One step ahead of you. We it got, we got an IP ahead of us, baby. Let's do it. All right. Well, on that note, Derek, thank you so much for coming on thank the show. Thank you so much. Very appreciate much appreciate it. it. Uh, you're a... You're a Exceptionally talented and exceptionally hardworking individual. Great interview with you. You're you're an amazing, amazing writer and, and good good questions. It was great questions. Oh, you stop it! You get out of here. <laughs> uh, we will hopefully, uh, hopefully, we were uh, hoping to have a, uh, a sketch ready for the show this week. It well, did not quite come to fruition. Stay tuned. Stay we tuned. Just might have to. Next week, folks. Next yeah. week, we'll have another sketch for you. We have the two Vincent Prices. Oh, Vincent Price is coming. <laughs> you know, I think we just did a sketch. I think that's... Oh, yeah. We kind of, like, half-heartedly yes-anded one another, and that was... Uh, I think that I think that counted. It was great, dude. <laughs> great, man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, tune in probably next week uh, where you will hear Derek once again on the show... And we'll be reading some silly lines from a silly thing I wrote. And it'll be fun. Very cool. Very cool. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Derek. Bye.